watches, and whiskey. Do I have your attention? <laughs> this is Jonathan Geller at D. Geller & Son Jewelers, and we're celebrating summer and Father's Day with something we've never done before. This Saturday, we'll have Atlanta's biggest and best selection of new and pre-owned Swiss watches under each of our roofs. We're talking fan favorites like Tissot and Omega, showstoppers from Rolex, and it gets better. With help from Old Fourth Distillery, we're providing complimentary whiskey tastings while you browse. It's this Saturday, June 8th, in all three D. Geller & Son showrooms. Learn more at dgeller.com. Supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. It's Wednesday on the Chuck Oliver Show. We continue talking college football. I was mentioning Mizzou. Hitting the field for spring practice. And that they had all SEC performers, first or second team, at all three levels of the defense. And they were just, I mean, every bit of just unpleasant on defense, man. They were just nasty over there. So you're nasty on defense. You have a great kicker. You have the SEC's leading rusher. You have a quarterback who can make plays and also rarely turns the ball over. And then you got like NFL guys with a Z, plural, guys on the outside. I like all of that. I like all of that. Not all of that is back. Um, and in particular, it's not just those guys on defense who are first team, all conference, second team. It's also the DC and much other stuff, but Eli is going to figure it out. And that schedule looks like an opportunity. Want to welcome on right now. Good friend of the program. That's what I'm going to claim. Gerard Hamilton, powermazoo.com. How you doing friend? Doing well. What's going on? Nothing but good. Nothing but good. Uh, let's talk about my evaluation of Brady cook. I said, he's a playmaking quarterback but who also is responsible with football um i was really trying to not limit him but i don't know when you got cody schrader and you got guys like luther burden who can do all kinds of stuff um what is the idea what was the idea of brady cook and like where is he right now he's in a good space he's a good spot um yeah your evaluation is it's pretty good i do think um you know maybe some people tend to Fight him just a bit because of the weapons he did have and, and things of that nature. And obviously, when you got a, a Luther Verdon, Theo Weiss, Cody Schrader, those guys to help you an improved offensive line, of course, you should do better and you did do better. But uh, Brady, oh, he's just a smart football player. Um, I've been on the beat going into my third year, and I remember in 2022, uh, you know, some of the decisions he made, especially, you know, that was his first year starting, some of the decisions he made with, the, you know, the turnovers and interceptions and things like that kind of made you go like, uh And then you started to see him clean that up in the second half of that season. And then also keep in mind he had that uh, torn labor in his throwing shoulder, you know, yep. so that has a big deal with it. So you see in the 2023, you've just seen the development and the progression. And once they got that K-State victory in week three of last year, you just seen the momentum, and, and then he ended up, uh, I think by the time they faced Vanderbilt in week five, uh, he broke the record for most pass attempts without a um, without an interception in the SEC. So, I mean, he's a, he's a really good player, can do it with his legs, can throw the ball, but, he, you know, most of all, he's, he's really smart with the ball. I think they only had nine uh, giveaways on the whole season. So, Missouri's pretty clean when it comes to that side of the ball. All right, uh, Cody Schrader, that's a whole lot of yards and a whole lot of touchdowns, too, to replace. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not likely you do it. So, how do you approach it? Because you, you don't have to have one guy. You just need yards and touchdowns. How do you do it? Well, I think the running back room, uh, to me, is the, the position I'm looking at the most, you know, for spring ball, maybe uh, until we get to the season. They brought in Marcus Carroll from Georgia State. 
similar running back. I mean, he's almost identical, uh, identical to Cody Schrader. I mean, literally only a few pounds separate these guys. So you got, they're the same height. Um, they have similar running styles. Marcus Carroll was 10th in the nation in rushing with, you know, uh, 1,350 yards. Schrader was third. Um, so you're getting kind of like a, you know, similar guy who can fit this outside zone. He's more of a, uh, kind of like trade. He's like a, a bowling ball. He, you know, he just knows how to move forward. So they've got that. Got Nate Noel from App State, who has over 3,000 yards in his career there. I think he's the eighth all-time leading rusher at App State. Then they got a couple of young guys that I think Missouri fans should be excited about. Jamal Roberts, who will be a redshirt freshman. And Kawan Lacey, who will come down later uh, in the fall. He's not here for spring camp right now. And they still got Tavoris Jones, who was a four-star from uh, in 2022. Really, really fast guy, and it's just more so about seizing the opportunity for him. And this running back room, as uh, Drink was saying uh, on Monday, is kind of kind of wide open. You would think it's just going to get be given to Marcus Carroll, but they're they're all going to have to earn it, and it's, you know it's a free opportunity to take those uh, reps over from Cody. All right, flip it around. Um, and, like, even Luther Burden, I'm like, I know how great he is. Um, he's going to be greater this year. So, let's go to defense. Uh, I mentioned, uh, how do you replace all those guys? Well, you go to the portal. And specifically, it's D-line, D-line, edge, edge, linebacker. Uh, talk about some of the guys in the front seven that are here from some pretty big programs. And, like, when we see a guy transferring in from Georgia, for instance, we go, oh, well, he must be a, you know, a great player. He was a great recruit at one point for sure. But just talk about some of these guys up front. Yeah, um, they're, they're missing a, a lot of talent. They had a lot of great defensive talent, you know, uh, graduate or go, you know, go to the draft. So uh, I think the biggest thing is they're looking at this defensive line. Uh, it's more so just about the two deep. I think for defensive end, yeah, they brought in Derek Smith, uh, outside linebacker from Georgia, as you just said. I mean, he'll, he'll play some edge. Um, they like – you know, I think he has the, the physical profile they're looking for uh, with Corey Batoon in his 4-2-5 defense. They brought in Zion Young from Michigan State. Um, but, you know, they all, they still got Williamson in area, obviously. That's the uh, five-star kid coming in. So, I think they have talent at defensive end. It's about who fits in the packing order. I think at defensive tackle, there's a little bit more questions because they I want to say they lost uh, three or four. I can't think off the top of my head. But they lost about three or four guys. Uh, from the rotation last year, they were all playing, uh, you know, they were all part of their rotation, really. And so for defensive tackle for this team, it doesn't matter who really starts from DT1 to DT4. They all play around the same snaps. Um, so it's about finding that rotation. They got Christian Williams still in place. Uh, they got uh, Chris McCullough from Florida. And they got Sterling Webb from uh, New Mexico State, I want to say. It's New Mexico or New Mexico State. It's slipping my arm right now. But they've got some guys, but they've kind of got to figure it out. They've got a lot of young pieces at defensive tackle that they need to work in to see what they got. Now, linebacker, I think they'll be okay. They lost Tyron Hopper and Chad Bailey. But because those two dealt with injuries so much last year, uh, Chuck Hicks and Tristan Newsom got a lot of chances to play. They started the last three games, and they played really well in two of the last three. Um, so I think they're comfortable there. And then they also brought uh, Corey Flagg from uh, – Miami, yep. so I think they're they're great in the front section. Gerard Hamilton, com. He's doing it for rivals in a big way. Um, last thing I want to ask you about, and again, this is just uh, over on the um, defensive side of the ball. Uh, oh, excuse me. Um, I'm going to go back to quarterback, actually. Uh, Sam Horn is a guy you'd mentioned. Um, we were talking Brady and injuries and being tough and coming through him and all that. Sam Horn himself uh, his loss due to injury. What happens if Brady Cook goes down again? 
Well, to be honest, uh, Dre said, what did he say? He said on Monday they, you know, the opportunity presents itself. They'll look in the portal. Um, I think that's more of a guarantee. They're, they, since I've been here, they've only ever had four starting quarter. I mean, not four starting, four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, even before Horn's injury, they only had three scholarship quarterbacks. So I was already thinking they may look in the portal just because that's what they do. They're definitely going to get a quarterback in the portal. Maybe someone who is trying to you know compete for a, a, a starting job in a Power Five conference or something like that, and doesn't necessarily work out. It's not only big for, you know, what happens if Brady Cook goes down, obviously, um, but 2025. So this is Brady Cook's last year of eligibility. The thought was if Sam Horn was healthy and was QB2 and all that stuff, either he'd be the next starter or he'd at least be in line to compete for the starting job next year. So the thinking is maybe they they get somebody in the portal, somebody who has at least a couple years of eligibility left, so that way, you know, they're a veteran maybe. They can back up uh, Brady Cook this year help if, if he goes down, but also compete for the starting job next year. So um, that's the thinking for right now in spring ball. I mean, he's still going to take first team reps and all that, but I think just a little bit, they're kind of real Brady back and, you know, let a couple of the walk-ons and their three-star Aiden Glover uh, get tons of work in. And they're done like way, way early this year, aren't they, for spring? Yeah, so the first practice was uh, yesterday. I'll go out to practice again later today. And their spring game is on the uh, – March 16th. Then I think they'll have, you know, a couple cleanup practices, uh, you know, shortly after that. So, yeah, spring break is at the end of it's the last week of March. So, uh, I think that's usually their, their MO to finish that up before spring break. Drudge, great information. I appreciate your expertise, friend. Thank you. Appreciate you, Chuck. Get him at powermazoo.com. All right, I say the spring game is the 16th, and he said a couple of cleanup practices. Big fan of that practice. Big fan of that philosophy, that policy with a head coach that we use all 14 sessions ahead of a spring game, which is just a session. You get 15, and so a spring game. All right, y'all did this wrong, but we can't really talk to you very much. And so, all right, and we'll give you a CD with some stuff on it, and then you log in, and you and so y'all, but y'all work on it. See y'all later. And you send the kids away. It's better for them to come out for a practice or even two post-spring game. Way better. And you get a little on-field instruction. You did this Saturday in a game-like setting, Friday night in a game-like setting. Florida went Thursday night. In a game-like setting, you did this. We want to go through it one more time because we coached you on this for all of these practices leading up to it. And then in the game, you did this. And so we're taking a practice or two big fan of that so good for them reason i was looking at the missouri spring uh, because the sam horn thing he was a four-star recruit a big recruit out of the atlanta area for missouri is a quarterback out of a place called collins hill which i think taylor heineke's out of that same place but that was you know always one of the things join the sec it'll open up recruiting markets i don't know maybe it does but i know they got a four-star recruit out of the atlanta area and he's a quarterback and there were high hopes and then he got hurt and now he's out for the season so that's Sam Horn, and it stinks for him and the program and everybody. Um, what do they do if Brady gets injured again? So there's your season. Like you, you're most teams lose your starting quarterback. We saw even with Garrett Nussmeyer, who's really good and talented and had played some and all that. Jaden got knocked out. It was done over. So. It's just they came down, got a good recruit, injured, out. 
and you are now looking around thinking, well, if we're going to get a quarterback, we have our spring game on March 16th. What may be an advantage there? Why would Chuck be looking at that? Because the portal this year is April 15th through the 30th. Can't get a kid for this season from an SEC program anymore. That had to already be done. But you can get get a kid from another conference, the 15th through the 30th. And so a lot of schools now, they're wrapping up ahead of time so they can then evaluate other kids who may they may need. They want a month to percolate themselves, Missouri's coaches do, and then get into the portal. So the 15th through the 30th, I want to say there was a Dan Mullen edition down in Gainesville where the spring game was like, I don't know, like May 4th or something. I don't know you're going to see that. You know why? Players may revolt. Yeah, I'm going to wait until three days after the portal's closed, and then I'm going to let you know how you stand after spring. You think that – see, that used to be what every coach would go out of his way to do. Now, there'd be so much bad press about that. So, no, you're, I think it's going to be this. Give us more time, more runway to evaluate. And so Missouri's just kind of ahead of the curve on that, so good for them. All right, uh, hey, we take a quick break, come back with more. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Where's the Chuck Oliver show? I started the show, if we go way, way, way back, talking about what is possible for the Clemson Tigers this year. And Dabo is a guy that obviously, I mean, he's he's chest out at the absolute low points. And for whatever it's worth, I said, you know, he finished on a, a five-game streak at the end of the year. It was four and then the bowl game. Um, for whatever it's worth, it was after the loss to NC State when Tyler – got on the phone and I don't know, I've kind of blamed the producer on that. You're like, Heath, am I right? Like if a guest, like if a caller ever stays on the line, as long as Tyler and Spartanburg did, that's like, that's on the producer. There's somebody back on the board that needs that. let that not happen. And that's my opinion. Your call. Yeah, it's it's unusual that you get a chance to rebut pretty much anything the coach has to say that 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 doesn't really work that way normally. <laughs> Yeah, and for coaches call-in shows in particular, they're usually not call-in shows anymore. They're like Twitter in now, or you can hit the text line, or you can in some places where they're at, um, you know, Cooper's sub shop, then you can write your question on index card and drop it here before the show, and we'll pick some of the best ones. And so, like, it's anything except old school Hey, how you doing, Tyler and Spartanburg? And in this case, it was Tyler and Spartanburg, and Tyler wasn't doing well. So it got confrontational, and right after that, they beat Notre Dame, which I was not expecting. I was expecting on the heels of Dabo going chest out there that we didn't understand, and we were just a few plays away. Now they were not a few plays away. All right, they had some very real problems, and not all of them got solved. However, they did win the games. So 
I'll give him credit. Um, what was going on up until then was was very not good, including – and I, I had quizzed you earlier in the show, Heath. I said, do you remember this play? You told me in the break. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember the play. There was just some weirdness with Clemson last year at the point at the end of October, and then they did kind of rise enough and the product look enough like the talent that they were able to to kind of rally towards the end. I don't know where they are right now, and Kate Clubman's got to get better, but – um, it was just a weird season for them. Yeah, there's no doubt. And uh, now the question is, again, going forward, if you are Garrett Riley, you were supposed to be the guy who was going to come in, sprinkle some magic on this, and, and fix the problem. The problem must have been that the offense had gotten a little stale, and so you were going to come in. It's still Clemson's offense. Dabo always is very insistent about that. It's not any one coach's system. It's the Clemson offense, but you were going to come in and you were going to be the guy who could could change all that. Well, now that didn't really happen. So you've had a year to work with Cade Klubnik. You've had a year to try and, and get him on the same page as you. You've got talent behind him to look at, too. If it doesn't happen this year, then then the question starts to be, all right, so seriously then, is the problem that this offense was never nearly as good as people hyped it up to be? It was that you had a guy in Deshaun Watson and a guy in Trevor Lawrence and some elite receivers that would have made any scheme look pretty special. And then Dabo has to say, I'm going to let Wonder Boy really do his thing. Or does it become, okay, let's let's just say it didn't work and let's go find somebody else. And I'm, I'm real curious to see where that goes oh, after this year. Yeah. yeah, the tough part is, all right, we're going to be better and new and it's going to be really rocket ship north and you open against Georgia. So... Uh, go get you some there, Cade and Garrett and everybody else. Uh, what else is happening, Heath? So this is a story that for most programs would be pretty low-key. I actually think it's a little bit bigger deal, and it comes from Alabama. The word coming down yesterday from Alabama that football assistance will be available to reporters this spring and that yep. the press will be allowed to have viewing periods for practice as well. Now, this is not particularly unique or unusual at the vast majority of programs. But the places that don't do it all pretty much have one thing in common. They're Saban guys, Saban disciples who come in and Will Muschamp comes to South Carolina and says, nobody but me can talk. Uh, When you ask an offensive question, even though I'm not the one who calls the offensive plays, I'll be the one who's answering the question, which is making it completely useless to you 95% of the time when you try to get an answer for how the quarterback's development is coming or something. But this is how it's going to be, and it's going to be because that's the way, the one voice, one message, that's how Saban does things. And also, I mean, think about it, Chuck, every year, it also made it a big deal. If you are one of the coaches in one of those programs, it made it a big deal for you if you made it to the playoff. That was the one time a year that Saban or or Kirby or whoever – had to let you talk, and so it would be, hey, for the first time since last year, we get to hear from Lane Kiffin at Alabama, for example. Media thing, yep. Um, It also, by the way, made it challenging for some of the assistants to market themselves and get jobs. I mean, I I could tell this story now because it doesn't matter. Uh, I knew Shane Beamer pretty well, obviously, from his time at South Carolina, covering him the first time around. Uh, When he was added to Georgia's staff, I want him on. He's like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it. I can't. I'm not allowed to. You know, Kirby's got his rule, and we can't do it. 
And so, yeah, I, I could communicate with Shane Beamer, but I couldn't interview publicly or share any conversation with Shane Beamer because that was that was a no-no under Kirby's rules. This is the first time, Chuck, that you could really point to something where a Kalen DeBoer is coming in from the outside and saying, we're going to put things my way. And look, do I think that some Alabama fan, if Alabama loses a game, is going to say, oh, the problem is the secondary coach got to talk to the press back in April? Of course not. But you're still, it's so challenging when you come into a situation like this to try and put your stamp on a program, do anything to say this is a little different without people scrutinizing it. And, and so the fact that DeBoer is willing to make this choice, I think is smart for him. People are skeptical about him. People are saying, who is this guy? I don't know much about this guy. This guy's only been a coach at a power program for a couple of years. He's new to the South. I think it is completely smart for Kalen DeBoer to do a lot of interviews, to allow a lot of access, to have people understand what he's trying to do. But it's also the first time publicly he's differentiated himself from Saban. I think that it's interesting. And he has also chosen a new and different that doesn't really matter to the product. As you said, this is new and different and it's signaling it's morning in Tuscaloosa or whatever. Um, but he has picked the correct new and different, um, have the team come running out wearing Chrome helmets with like a crimson outline of a helmet, uh, an elephant's head. Um, they're not going to feel the same thing. If you start losing games, I've seen coaches change uniforms or helmets, um, Jim Donnan at Georgia, Georgia forever was a red helmet with a white stripe right down the middle. And that's just what it is. He put a thin black stripe on each side of the white stripe. And then he put a shadow on the numbers. You would have thought that he wanted them to resign the SEC, the way the fans reacted. What they were really upset about was winning and losing. And so what DeBoer has done is you're exactly right. He's kind of checked the perfect box. He's letting everybody know new day, new stuff. We're going to be different. But it's not anything that necessarily any fan, even the most scrutinized fan, was going to look down and go, you know, this new guy, he just started changing things and it matters. Because the uniforms, like, change the uniform at some, literally change the uniforms. There is no alternate uniform at some places. Uh, And Alabama will continue to be one of those places. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Now back to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. It still matters, folks. 
It just gets settled so much earlier, and we pay attention to the old men in the transfer portal. But high school, Cruton, the Stars, heck yeah, it still matters. Want to welcome on right now, Director of Scouting 247 Sports. I've always said, folks, I'll give you a commercial for them. Like, their scouting uh, and and Cruton database, it's free. Like, it's 100% off. Uh, you can't do any better than that. So, uh, it's a lot of information. I always love the sites there. Uh, the team-specific sites, different thing. But if you're looking for recruiting and history and all kinds of great stuff, uh, yeah, head to 247 all the time. Andrew Ivins, Director of Scouting. Welcome aboard, friend. How are you? I'm doing good. We need to hire you as our uh, PR hype man. <laughs> oh, no, brother. You're, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. Um, and we're going to talk recruiting, and we're now looking ahead, really, because as much as we you know, are just enthralled by 21, 22-year-olds bouncing around from schools, you know, there still are programs built on you know, high school recruiting and all. Um, talk in general about the class of 2025 and the look ahead. And what is the landscape specifically for quarterbacks in this class? Because that's where we always get the most shiny, sparkly things. Well, I'm glad you brought up the quarterbacks because I've spent the past two weeks kind of watching all the arms in the 2025 cycle. And, yeah, you mentioned the transfer portal and just how accelerated things have gotten with uh, the high school recruitment. And, you know, there's a report out there this morning from ESPN that they're entertaining or the NCAA is going to meet about potentially having a summer signing window. And I think that's that's more than likely going to happen. That's what the college coaches want. But if, if that goes through and they approve that, I mean, this thing is, is going to get ramped up even more. Um, and, and you're going to have colleges not only looking – at the juniors, but the sophomore evaluations will just be so key, um, which is interesting. I mean, just from a, a person that has to study these guys and uh, evaluate them, um, you know, a summer window eliminates that senior season, which is a, a key developmental year. But back to the, the 2025 quarterbacks, uh, I think this is a, a, a strong group. I think you got four guys at the top, um, and then, you know, there's some, there's, there's a solid pack behind them. So the, the four at the top, you got Bryce Underwood, our number one ranked prospect. He is headed to LSU as it stands right now, you know, consensus five-star for the industry, a kid that has started 42 games up in, uh, the Detroit area. He's got a 40 and two record. Everyone wanted him LSU, which just produced a Heisman winner and Jaden Daniels got him. And then the other three I would kind of have in that fab four category, Tavian St. Clair, an Ohio State commit. He's from the state of Ohio, big frame guy. You think about the Buckeyes, what they were able to do in the transfer portal, adding Julian Sayan, uh, and just the other quarterbacks they have on that on that roster. Well, they got another one on the way. And then, and then the last two, George McIntyre from uh, uh, Tennessee, Nashville area, he is committed to the Vols. Uh, Josh Heupel and the staff did an excellent job there uh, of making him feel wanted. And I think he fits that uh, that high-profile attack. I'm not saying he's another Nico Iamalieva in terms of the athlete, but uh, he's a, a dangly six-foot-five passer. I think he's got an excellent deep ball, so uh, he can get it out fast. I think he fits the Vols. And then finally, the last one, Julian Lewis who reclassified that is becoming a trend. We saw it in college basketball, but more and more football players are doing it, jumping up a year. He moves into the 2025 class. He's a kid at Carrollton High School, uh, has played a lot of games, 28 starts in the, in the past two years, committed to USC. But if you talk to 
you know, some of the guys in our network, Tom Loy, Steve Wiltfong, he's looking at other schools, Georgia, Alabama, Colorado, Indiana, uh, Auburn. He's, he's been a variety of different places. I want to ask you about the physical makeup because you hit on, uh, again, at least a couple of SEC commits there. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence was a guy, if you remember Juwan Pass back in the day, there are some, like, really highly recruited elite prospects at quarterback that I look at and go, you need to gain 40 pounds. And it's just something going from, like, a 17-year-old kid to, like, a 20, 21-year-old man. There's, like, good weight these kids can put on. I look at George McIntyre and I'm like, you need to gain 40 pounds. Um, <laughs> I, you know, there are some of these like really tall kids out there that that just they're they haven't grown into their bodies yet. Talk about McIntyre in particular, and is that a frame you look at? Like Trevor Lawrence, eventually you looked at him and you're like, all right, he's a grown man. <laughs> well, it's funny. The first time I saw George McIntyre throw, it was actually two summers ago down at, at FIU, uh, the, you know, the Conference USA program. That's back when the satellite camps were a big thing. And he was throwing there because his uncle is Mike McIntyre, the head coach for the yep. Panthers. I didn't, know, I didn't know anything about George. I'm like, I know this kid is six foot five and he's throwing a good football and Jim Harbaugh was actually at that camp just kind of following George around um when you t look at the frames with the QBs I mean in the NFL it is still king and our rankings are always projecting towards Sundays right long-term success where these guys are going to be selected we say you're a five-star we're saying hey you know we think you're going to be a first-round pick that's why we have 32 five-stars everywhere so that's how we gear our rankings towards the NFL uh, height has always been been king there but if you look recently at, at some of the uh, past few NFL drafts, a lot of guys sub six foot, right under six foot one have been selected. Obviously, Bryce Young, he's the exception of the exceptions. But you know, Stetson Bennett was on the smaller side. Jay Kaner from Fresno State. Jaron Hall, Sam Howe, Malik Willis, and Brock Purdy, they all, they all fall into that category as well as shorter guys. So, you know, we'll see if that continues. It might just be kind of a product, I think, of – uh, the pandemic, some of those guys staying in school, uh, Brock Purdy's success, NFL programs looking for guys that have started more college games. But frame is king. And with George McIntyre, I think what's unique about him is he's also a really talented basketball player. Uh, had a few mid-major college basketball offers before it became clear that, hey, I'm going to be a quarterback. I, I kind of have my theory that once he, you know, once he's not running up and down the court every winter, uh, and he gets into a strength program, he's going to be able to fill out a little bit. Other SEC commit you mentioned there, Bryce Underwood. He's not only committed as a five-star quarterback to LSU, number one quarterback in America. Uh, there's this running back in Louisiana, Harlem Barry, number one running back in America committed to LSU number one receiver in America is committed this big giant lineman out of Mobile who might be the number one lineman one of the number one uh, interior lineman in America he, I've heard he's all but committed Talk, what are they doing right over there what are the what is Brian <laughs> Kelly and the staff getting right yeah it's it's if you look at our 24 7 sports composite team rankings they, they only have the number three class right now but I think if you Ask me, all right, you know, what what class do you like the most? It, it would be LSU. And I think it starts with with Brian Kelly. You know, recruiting at Notre Dame is a lot different than recruiting at LSU. And when he first got to Baton Rouge, I thought they were struggling to figure out what they wanted to do. It felt like he was still recruiting 
the student athlete that belonged in South Bend. It's a, it's a certain type of kid, and you can't do that at, at LSU. I mean, you can't recruit all over the country and, and try to go into these private high schools. And I get it. You know, he had showed up. That's where the relationships were. But for LSU, you know, I always hear from college coaches. I mean, unless you're Nick Saban or maybe a Kirby Smart, it is near impossible to go into the boot and pull one of those kids out. So I think they have recalibrated, have put up a fence around the state. We're going to get the good guys from there. And then they're also – you know, going and attacking those high-profile prospects with Bryce Underwood, Joe Sloan, the quarterback's coach there, had a big hand in Jaden Daniels' Heisman Trophy winning season. I mean, he's a big reason why Bryce Underwood's committed. The Corian Moore, to me, you mentioned that that wide receiver. I mean, he is electric. I think he opened up his track season 10.65 in the 100-meter dash. I mean, that's a key indicator, but... You turn on the tape, it's awesome, and, and then you watch him in the seven-on-seven seven setting. I mean, he's he's one of the top slot guys I've seen just run routes and, and get open, maybe since like Jalen Waddle a few years ago and, and, and the same type of that. So wow. I, I think Brian Kelly, you know, he's got a great personnel department. They identified talent early, and, you know, I, I think they they got – on field, off field, the decision makers, everything's clicking with that collective right now. And uh, I think there's only more fireworks on the way for them on the recruiting trail. One more question for Andrew Ivins, Director of Scouting 247. Um, I don't know if you've eyeballed this guy in person, so I don't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, Jared Smith is listed at 6'6, 230 pound edge out of Alabaster, Alabama. Um, Thompson, who's a power in the state of Alabama. That kid, to me, he's about the most impressive-looking edge guy in this class. Um, he looks like, while well, I was talking about, you know, add 40 pounds. He looks like one of those kids that's going to get into a college weight program and run and lift for a little while. And he, that kid, to me, is like the number one exciting prospect in Alabama for the coming season. Yeah, and, and Jared Smith, it's funny. You know, we, we had an Under Armour camp in uh at Carrollton High School I think it was two or three weeks ago all my all, all my weeks are mixed up and uh, as I was standing there watching the defensive lineman go through drills I'm like this is the third year in a row I have seen Jared Smith in this type of setting I mean he is first off the bus he is traits he's everything you're looking for you know 82 inch wingspan 35 inch arms why is that important I mean he makes it extremely difficult for those corner protectors to get a hold of him that's strip sacks man <laughs> I think with 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 Jared Smith, like he has it in his body to be absolutely elite. We just have not seen it on tape yet, and we're hoping he's going to take that step forward. You know, we've been hoping for two or three years now, ever since we came out with our 2025 rankings, and it was the initial 100 guys after their freshman seasons. I mean, we've had Jared Smith that high. It's like we're we're crossing our fingers that he's going to figure it out and, and find that mean de- de- demeanor. Maybe it happens, and you know it, I'm not comparing him to Jordan Ross, who was also out of the state of Alabama that signed with Tennessee this past cycle, so finished as a five-star prospect for us. But uh, Jared only, or uh, he only had Jordan. Excuse me, Jordan Ross only had two and a half sacks as a junior, and then he was not only awesome as a senior. But he was one of the best in those All-Stars game settings at, at the Under Armour All-America game and then at the Polynesian Bowl out in Hawaii. So sometimes I think you know, we get caught up in not realizing that these kids are 16, 17, 18 years old and, and they're still growing into their frames. But 
easy to see why Jared Smith has so many, not only of the SEC, I mean, just really uh, all the college football playoff contenders after him. And I'm not kidding. He would rather play video games and talk to girls than, like, train <laughs> for the NFL as a 16 or 7. Like, that's what we all did. And we kind of want to assign these very adult qualities and work demeanor to a kid who's 16, you know? So there's there's that as well. Well, yeah, but it, it, we're approaching an NFL model. And, you know, I talked to a lot of college coaches, uh, personnel uh, people as well, and you know, with with the, the name, image, likeness, with the collectives out there, uh, with the transfer portal, you know, unlimited transfers, we're getting to a point where I think more and more of the programs are looking for the guys they want in the building, guys that they want to be there because they don't want to invest time in recruiting an individual and you know have the collective involved with that individual if the kid's just going to get on campus and he doesn't want it and and you'll see it with the nfl combine this week and i i don't know who i was listening to but one of the nfl head coaches said it the other day you know the players that come out of alabama when when nick saban was there they were all wired the right way the jc Latham's, you know the terry and arnold's the kool-aid mckinstry's those guys compete, and they've competed ever since they arrived in Tuscaloosa. And I just, again, with us getting in this player movement and, uh, you know, it getting closer and closer to that NFL model, I think just between the ears is going to be so much more important when we talk high school recruiting. The recruiting's done, right? NCAA got rid of can't do photo shoots. You yep. can't decorate recruits hotel rooms anymore. You know, it's, it's getting into more and more of an actual business uh, with these NFL visits. Yeah, give him a cookie cake and a hat, but do it in the lobby. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> I appreciate your time, friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Andrew Ivins, 247 Sports. He had a blue check before it cost $8 a month. He really did. So that's what you got there. And this is a kid that you go look at him, because they got video, all kinds of, every either from a combine or game tape or the coaches, all 22, whatever. It's high school football, but it's all out there. And so I'm just watching kids in the state of Alabama. I I could claim yeah, I'm deducting my internet because this is for my job. Oh, looking at who Auburn may get. This is my personal time, and it still counts. So I'm looking at who Auburn may get, and I'm like, well, this is the highest uncommitted kid and any of them that are committed now for as as late as next February 5th. I think it is. It's whatever it means. It's, it's 49 weeks from now. But I'm looking, and I'm watching all these kids play, and it's a highlight tape, obviously. But then sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just game tape. And you see kids that can physically overwhelm the player across the line of scrimmage. Because in high school, it's not this way even in college. In the NFL, it gets to be that way. And then I guess in the SEC, a guy across the line of scrimmage is not going to look like you a lot of times in high school. And so it is about, am I going to play technique or am I just going to be 6'6", 230, and I'm going to blast this kid because... He's a sophomore who probably shouldn't be playing, but they only have 19 players on the offensive depth chart. I had a buddy of mine that was uh, in charge. He was, was it the umpire? Whoever the official is on defense who was responsible for 11 players, and he's high school ref. And he said he realized uh, 
I don't know, a few snaps in, he's like, wait a minute. He started looking at the sidelines. It was easier to count if there's seven guys on the sidelines, okay, then they have 11 on the field. Like, that's high school sometimes. Probably not for opponents of Thompson, but you have no idea. And so the result is you have a 16-year-old who's like, yeah, I can just lean on him and I'm going to get a sack. And it can happen. So you have to have an extra special, very forward-thinking, depth of character, high school sophomore or junior who says, nose to the grindstone. And when you have that kid, okay, bottle that up. And they exist. It's just not many of them yet. They hadn't grown into that. They're, I don't know, gray matter isn't fully developed yet. They're 16. All right, we break. Uh, gosh, we got to wrap up the show next. The king of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. I don't know if anybody's pulled me to the side, but I, I understand the expectation uh, when you're a quarterback here at Florida State and just a player. But as a quarterback, like you said, um, the expectation here at Florida State is high. And granted, I mean that's 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 what you want. You want to be able to be able to be able to play at a place where the expectation is high, and it's ACC championship, national championship, or bust. DJU back in the ACC at Florida State. He will be the starting quarterback. Had a good season last year. Was not great. He had a good season. They open, are they part of the week zero thing? Very unimpressive week zero so far. I want to say they're week zero in Dublin playing Georgia Tech, which I don't like. We put the Georgia Tech uh, beast, like there are some schools that we have assigned to Dublin. Um, Notre Dame, it makes sense. So Georgia Tech and Florida State, I'm pretty sure are playing in Dublin. And they start um, maybe a week early. And DJU is talking about expectations, and that's where he is. You know what I like about the coming season about Florida State? In the portal era, here is sports rule. As long as we're in the current portal and name, image, likeness era, if you are doing your own personal gray matter season preview and you don't know what to rely on, You don't know what can be trusted. Trust the coaches and the staffs that have a known resume. When you are looking ahead to the season, trust the coaches that have, for instance, like Mike Norvell, just spun gold through the portal. And even convince guys like Jared Verse, who I think would have been a first-round pick last year, to come back and be even more of a first-round pick. And Jared was like, yes, I buy that. Um, So he's just been amazing. And he targeted DJU. And so we don't really know what Florida State's going to be because so much turnover, so many just key performers. Um, I'm betting on the coaches that I know. And Mike Norvell's one of them. Hey, how's that Monday? Uh, Excuse me, Wednesday. Well, the Monday was okay. So, you know, we'll keep it we'll keep it moving though on Wednesday. Uh, Chuck, it's a little different 
when you are an SEC head coach and when you are not. And Barry Odom is getting a chance to see that firsthand. Odom, of course, got a few years under his belt as head coach at Missouri, then spent a little time as an assistant, now headed into year two in Vegas at UNLV. They are going to start their spring practice this Saturday, Chuck. They're going to be doing it with an event that is called Horns and Helmets. And as part of the event, Barry Odom will be riding a live bull. Uh, I don't believe, I could be wrong, I don't believe any of the current 16 SEC head coaches are being asked to uh, ride any animals, possibly uh, perform any feats of strength or anything like that as part of their spring practices this year. But it's the entertainment capital of the universe right now. UNLV football trying to capitalize off a big year. Maybe there's somebody with a wallet willing to come out and throw a little bit of coin down to watch Barry Odom ride a live bull. How much? How, how many animal tranquilizers do you think they're giving that bull? How much ketamine is that bull on before Barry Odom touches that thing? And two shots of tequila for Barry. <laughs> um... There's a story about Mike Shula auctioning off a pie on the back of a flatbed truck in a parking lot, and Nick Saban specifically pointing to that when he got the job saying, I'm not doing stuff like that. Um, That's a pie in a parking lot, not a Brahma. Wraps it up on a Wednesday. Me, David, Heath, everybody. Back tomorrow. Chuck Oliver Show. Watches and whiskey. Do I have your attention? <laughs> this is Jonathan Geller at D. Geller & Son Jewelers, and we're celebrating summer and Father's Day with something we've never done before. This Saturday, we'll have Atlanta's biggest and best selection of new and pre-owned Swiss watches under each of our roofs. We're talking fan favorites like Tissot and Omega, showstoppers from Rolex, and it gets better. With help from Old Fourth Distillery, we're providing complimentary whiskey tastings while you browse. It's this Saturday, June 8th, in all three D. Geller & Son showrooms. Learn more at dgeller.com. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.